I guess we'll do it that way. Making movie need help unpaid. Tell me when you're ready. Whew. That set lacroche sounds real crispy. That's how we start the show. Uh, back when I was taking a linguistics class with my um, my business partner mm-hmm. at the time, classmate Drew Bells, mm-hmm. we were taking a linguistics class and we were trying to remember the we were trying to remember the aspirates. I don't know mm. some sort of uh, some sort of category of mouth sounds, mm-hmm. and we made up a thing where we were like. Because those are like the sixth, those are like the six uh, sort of hard, hard sounds or something. Mm. The, uh, the I sound like a real dumb dumb. Glotterals. No, 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 no. <laughs> glotterals don't exist. Gutter, glot, no, maybe the glottal stop. I don't know. You like those sound effects? Intense. When I was a kid, I loved. Um, I'm kind of blanking on the guy's name, but there was the there were these uh, beatboxers, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was one who did um, Modest Yahoo. N- way before that, <laughs> I was gonna say he was. Isn't like he way the later. Jewish rapper? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there was a guy though who did beatboxing for Slick Rick, and he Ooh. it almost like a drum solo. He had this song where it was just him doing like all these crazy sound effects, like like cars and stuff, and then it turned into a beat. It's crazy. Yeah, that's nasty, dog. Sick. I'll clip it in. The beat, the chorus, at the same time. Clip it in. Clip it in. Clip it in. This morning I woke up and I had a little, um, I had a little link in my inbox. And I, I opened it and started watching. Mm. I watched ten minutes of the newest cut. Oh, jeez! And John. I showed, I, I paused it at about ten minutes in, because yeah. my spouse, who's here, she was getting ready for work. Is she on the show? No, heck no. Where are you, dude? I, I walked in the other day. Uh, actually, it was this morning. I dropped my kids off at school. I came home. I walked in the house, and I was like, "Is there a dude in here?" And I, my, my my wife, because I heard like, I heard my voice. It dawned on me almost instantly, like, that's my voice. I thought maybe my wife was listening to a voicemail. She was walking around the house with the iPhone in her back pocket and blaring our podcast. Dude, like, that's turn. how you know we've made it. It was, <laughs> it was right at the point in the episode where I was uh, accusing her of putting my dog in a concentration camp. Oh, okay. So she was clearly tipped off, yeah, probably to listen to uh, to to an episode, so she could have some some dirt on you. But I, I watched the first ten minutes this morning of the newest yeah. cut, and I paused yeah. it after ten minutes because my wife is about to leave, and I said to her, "This is so much better." Ooh, and I paused it right around. This isn't even five minutes. I think it's about five minutes in. I paused it because I wanted to show her. I just wanted to show her how like tight the scenes were, how how it was moving, you know, maybe just show her like three minutes right before she left, you know, and I paused it and I brought the computer in and she looked at it. She looked at where it was on the time 
she saw that it was in the beginning. She said, oh, the shower scene is in the beginning. Good idea. Uh-huh. And I said, you, you know, that's how it was in the script. Yeah. And and it was in the middle. So for people that haven't seen it, there's a yeah. shower scene where he the roof is sticks. For people who haven't seen it, which is 99.9% of people. <laughs> for listening everyone listening <laughs> who's now confused, uh, there's a shower scene. And I don't want to say any because Rufus. Well, I'll say a little. Rufus okay. is Rufus lives at Rollers, mm-hmm. um, which is not a house. Rollers is a concert venue, and there's not a shower there. Right. So he, but he lives there because he's because he's has uh, codependency issues with this building, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and he he built he builds himself a shower, and the shower is out back in an alley. And I had the idea that if I was going to make a shower in the back alley of my concert venue, I would probably try to make it kind of like a shower and not a garden hose. So mm-hmm. we we made a shower out of a snare drum. Which is sick. I didn't notice that the first time we watched it. Or maybe I did, uh, didn't resonate, but the way that it was um, presented in this cut was, good. was strong, dude. It looked good. cool. Um it reminded me of my dad. He he bought some property up in Pennsylvania when I was a kid, and he built this place basically from scratch. And yep. there were all these hillbillies, Pennsylvania hillbillies living around him. And he didn't have working bathrooms yet, anything. So he would take this huge jug of water, and he had rigged up this shower on a pulley hmm. system so he could pull this like chain, and it would tilt the thing and dump water on him, you know? That's awesome. It's kind of sick, but he he would be out there showering after working all day, and more than ten times, this old lady Lorraine Bobiak would wander over to give him some eggs or something, and see my dad out there showering. His, yeah, and be like, <laughs> that's "Oh, because so you know, that's effectively you. what happens in the movie. That's exactly. so great. There's this yeah. there's this homeless guy named Carl." I won't give anything else away about Carl. He's got some interesting uh, physical features. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a homeless guy, Carl, who shows up and wants to take a shower, share the shower with Rufus. And Rufus is like, no, dude, yeah. not going to happen. That's hilarious. Oh, I love that. So you that got- your dad had some Amish hillbilly old lady showers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, so really quick on that. Um, I'm glad you liked it. I, I feel like that captures a lot of how i felt mm-hmm. well so really quick last night i why well, I, I finished another cut yesterday yep um and i put it online and then i had let's say five or six people over to watch the new cut a, te- a, a, a formal test screening another one who who, were and, the, who um, was there um i mean no one will know names but um a musician who recently moved to la and his uh his wife is a photographer, so they've become friends, and and um, I invited them. Um, Max mm. Bell's quick shout out to mm. Max Bell's. I don't know if I can refer to him as a friend of the show because I don't think Max listens, but that's fine. Max, mm. friend of me, mine, mm-hmm. friend of yours, mm-hmm. maybe not a friend of the show. Not he's not my friend anymore. That's for sure. No, no. well, he yeah, exactly. <clears throat> shout he's out to Max. um he's gonna be moving, mm. so we uh, had I wanted he's a good buddy. And I wanted to have him over to make sure that he saw it. And he's very knowledgeable, very smart guy. Yeah. Who's actually done some acting. Mm. A couple other folks. It was a great time. Um, but anyway, the the consensus 
was that the movie oh and my buddy ren um who is a friend of the show does listen to the podcast Uh-oh. he uh you know what's funny about ren i'll tell a quick story he's a very talented screenwriter he's out here working and uh he went to a, a college in north carolina called app state okay and we met through another friend aman abasi who directed davion ah. who will hopefully be at the next test screening um aman is absolutely just crushing it it's sort of insane the projects that i'm on mm. I, I i can't really get into any specifics unfortunately because those aren't my specifics to share. But one day we'll have him on. This Amon is just absolutely crushing it. Anyway, mm. had a funny week um, with Amon. Actually, I ran into him in a restaurant with Caleb Rexford, who's a good friend of mine. Who works at Fancy Rhino, who's in Chattanooga. Caleb was out here. We're at a restaurant in Highland Park down the street right by the venue. Who should walk in but Amon, who nice. knows me and Caleb because he did a fellowship at Fancy Rhino. And got that's, to know Caleb. Small world. Yeah. Man, Amon is a very talented filmmaker. Um, I met Ren, who's another good friend now, um, at Amon's birthday party probably a year and change ago. Dang. And Ren went to college with one of my best friends, Johnny Kate's younger brother, Chris Kate. Whoa. And we figured that out. I forget how. But they went to App State together, and so anyway, weirdly small world. Ren's, Ren's great, though, and he's an incredibly talented writer as well, and he was there. Anyway, dude, so the consensus was that somehow, against all odds, that the movie was worse than it was last time. No. Week. No, just kidding. It was, it was markedly better. I walked away, even just, like you said, even within 15 minutes, I was kind of like, you know... There's just a lot fewer things that make me unable to watch this movie, mm-hmm. you know. And I actually started off the feedback session. <laughs> uh, we, did we you sometimes pop a do, bottle of champagne? You know, I did. Uh, Elizabeth brought some prosecco that we nice. did not get into, so I did open. I was like, "Man, this was a very different experience." Yeah. But I asked everyone. I have all this recorded too. I asked everyone, "What percentage of the movie?" made you want to turn the movie off mm. you know and uh and then i asked everybody to kind of give their you're rose set, and thorn you're setting a really high bar no, no 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 i wanted to know because i know that certain things are working and what mm-hmm. i wanted to know is like did you hate 25 percent of the movie did you hate 30 percent of the movie because the first time through i wanted to turn it off about half the time right, you know right. and i think that was there were a lot of people who felt uh, that often and it was very encouraging because this time through the the number was was closer to like five percent which was very encouraging and and i think for the first time i'll say this and then i and then i want to shut up i will say this um it was uh it was it, it, it was the first time i've even seen the movie um where i think i realistically not aspirationally but realistically began to see the movie that i wanted to make Mm -hmm. and i think that other people got a little bit of a glimpse of the movie that i want to make not the movie that is sort of stuck in editing purgatory and that was very encouraging because i knew it was there yeah sort of like when your friend or something is or your wife, or I don't know, my wife's never been pregnant, but when you're someone's pregnant, it's like mm. eventually you just think they're pregnant. 
Mm. And you kind of forget that there's a baby in there. And then all of a sudden they show up with a baby mm. and you're like, the, f-, you know, but first that thing's got to punch through that tummy and get out. Yeah. Um, exactly. I said to my <laughs> that's wife, how this, see, that's the difference between babies and movies is movies much more resemble alien. The movie Oh, than uh, than any sort of real birth process. It's much bloodier and more disgusting. Mm-hmm, that's for sure. Um, well, I said to my wife this morning, I because pa- what I realized as soon as I realized who, that the- who is an accomplished creator in her yeah. own right. Yeah, you know, so I shit. very much value her opinion because she knows how to judge things and efforts. Right. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, and I mean, she she definitely knows the theatrical world more than say the film world, but um, she's she's just all around knowledgeable. But she, um, I said to her, I paused it, and I said, I realized as soon as I saw that the shower scene was in the beginning, that you had taken the notes from the critique session two weeks ago or whatever, and yeah. Im- and correctly <laughs> implemented them. That's what I saw, like almost mm. instantly. And I paused it after a few minutes and I said to her, I said, I think he did it. I think he did Boom, it. Baby. Boom, and um, baby. so the reason I paused it was because we're going to watch it together, hopefully tonight, the whole thing. But um, mm. yeah, dude, it was exciting to Boom, see baby. that because, you know, I had watched it and I felt two ways about it. The first draft. Uh, and I told you that right. one was you made a movie that's insane. The other part of it was it needs to be a lot tighter. And that was the, that's what you heard pretty much from everybody at that first session. Right. We already went through all yeah, that. Yeah, to recap, it was kind of like, I like a lot about this. It's surrounded by a lot of things that I also like that mm-hmm. don't feel as important. You had a lot of the good elements there that needed to be wrestled into order. And it, I could tell almost instantly that you had definitely started to do that. I haven't Boom. seen the whole thing, so I can't say for sure, but we'll yeah. see soon. Well, you know, I'm trying to, um, I guess I'm really trying to figure out how to, I don't know, to, to, to fold the movie in on itself, like mm-hmm. a croissant, you know, mm-hmm. I want, I've always said this, the script has gone through this process many times. I want layers. And I think part of what was so gut wrenching about the first one is I saw all this stuff that had to go and like I said one of my first questions was will this still be the same movie Mm -hmm. at the end of all of this yeah I think what was really encouraging about the last week and a half of editing was realizing that if I'm just a little harder on myself and 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 you'll see when you watch it I still need to go in and fold more Mm -hmm. because in some cases what I need to do is be like you know there's this scene that's kind of long and there's no dialogue and I'm just telling a story visually. And then there's this other scene that's a little boring on a visual on the visual side, mm-hmm. but it's really important information. Maybe I can figure out a way to combine those. Maybe I can figure out a way to, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Again, create layers, create um, efficiency in the storytelling, not just because it should be shorter. Cause I really don't care how long the, the, the length is. And for the first time, I will say this. One one participant in the test screening last night. I I'm not gonna take this and run with it necessarily, yeah. but it was encouraging. They said, "I feel like you, it could have been longer," and I was like, "Great, <laughs> I'm not gonna make it longer." But I, I am glad to hear that you weren't bored, silly. And yeah, I think that's good um, feedback. And I think what's happening is like the the. For instance, I did another cut earlier this week, 
and mm-hmm. uploaded a really crappy version of that that I just sent to a couple people like Tara. Mm-hmm. And um, it was 94 or five minutes. This one, it was even shorter. It was, I think, 92 or 93, but I actually figured out a way to squeeze in, I want to say, three or four scenes that had been not had been completely cut mm-hmm. and i was able to do that because i was kind of finally had enough distance to um to 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 cut out in some cases the 20 or 30 percent of the scene that was sort of just there right. and not essential um and and then that allows you to bring other stuff back in and all of a sudden the movie starts feeling very rich and very efficient mm-hmm. as opposed to like Wow, we've been in this part of the story for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you also did a bunch of voiceover. <laughs> I can tell you. Oh did, yeah, the voice. <laughs> you did some voiceover. <laughs> one, one of the I kind of mentioned this, but it was pretty unclear because I don't like to give too many caveats. She was like, "I, I, I like doing voices, and they don't always sound like me." <clears throat> and and um, she said. She was like, I'm pretty sure this was temp, but I just want to make sure because it took me out of it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. Just having fun with it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's going to be replaced, obviously. In fact, it was Maybe. kind of <laughs> taking a whole other direction, baby. But it's funny, and it's it actually was helpful that it was kind of... I'm Again, I only saw the first couple minutes of this new cut, but I think it <clears throat> makes more sense that it's blatant. You know what I mean? Mm, As opposed because to, then it calls attention. Like, yeah, I'm going to change to this, what obviously. Is, yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, that was helpful. So, no, I liked all Yeah, that. that's actually a good point. That's one thing. <clears throat> I'm getting to that point where certain parts of the movie are... Okay, so one, one interesting thing I'll say mm. about this particular screening is the feedback was centered on completely different things. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like... There was one character who, uh, let's call it like a a, a storyline that felt like it was overly developed in a previous draft um, because it was just, it it just felt like it was distracting from the A story. That was one of the comments where it was like, you know, actually I kind of want more of that. And again, I'm trying to figure out ways to fold things in, but it was, it was interesting because there were things that everyone noticed. For instance, there's one scene and every single person agreed the coverage used in that scene is a little disorienting. The angle's very low. I like it at the beginning. Yeah, totally but it agree gets with a that. Disorienting. Mm-hmm. You know which one I'm talking about? Exactly. Yeah. And I but said no to- one said that in a previous screening because I think the triage of the conversation right. led us to deal with much more significant issues. So yeah. now we're getting to the point where it's like, okay, great. Like, I don't feel the need to tell you how the story isn't working in Act Two. Because the story's working act too. Now I can pay even more attention. Mm-hmm. But that is its own difficult process in a way because you're like, wow, it's getting so much closer. And then only because of that, only because you've stopped the bleeding, right. can you now see that like your fingernails are kind of nasty. You know uh, what I mean? I, yeah. So I definitely noticed that. So there's a scene where it's two guys in a room, the main guy and another character. And uh, the t- actually the tall guy is shot at an extreme low angle looking up at him. And right. um, I noticed it because it's it's the type of angle you would see, say, like in a horror movie. Right. Uh, or like in a, an extremely intense scene. And I definitely noticed it, but I thought to myself, uh, back then, it's not worth noting in the sense that there's obviously other Bigger issues. stuff. And yep. I don't know if you have another shot of that, do you? Right. No, I definitely do. Um, 
that's an example of that was the 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 I do like that shot. It mm-hmm. just doesn't need to be in there as much as it is, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And that's one of those situations where in an edit. So we haven't even talked that much about the process of editing in a way. Mm-hmm. But one of the things about editing, you're looking at a giant mountain from the bottom. I can't remember if we've talked about this, but I've sort of been trying to think about this metaphor partly just because it helps me it's it's as if you're looking at this big mountain and you know there's a way to the top but you got to even just figure out which side of the mountain you're going to climb you know do you do you go up from the north side do you go up from the south side do you swing around and the the the, does it make sense the 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 thing about writing is that you're you're picking the mountain first of all Mm -hmm. which is a big part of writing you're saying i'm going to climb this mountain and not this mountain but there's still a lot of ways up the mountain, and, and, and you're, you're not on it yet, though, so you're kind of making a map, a trail map from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you get lucky, and I think in a lot of ways we did get lucky with rollers in the sense that the path we picked up, the path we chose to try to walk up the mountain was, was pretty close to the right path. But mm-hmm. interestingly, I did make certain weird decisions because you know what happens is you you during production and editing you start up the mountain that's the process of actually climbing the mountain and you 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 very quickly find out that like as you were climbing to the top the path behind you got avalanched and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you got to figure out a new way down because right. that option is right. no longer available to you and so I think editing is almost like the way down the mountain and you've got to figure out a new way to get down. Mm. Otherwise the whole journey was kind of in vain yeah. because on the way up, you're like, Whoa, I ended up on a completely different side of this thing than I ever expected. And I got to figure out how to get back to where I was. So I, I think about it a lot like that. And I think that th- I don't want to say I wasted time, but I, I needed to explore some options to walk down some paths that had dead ends that I did not realize mm-hmm. to weirdly kind of end up closer to where the script originally was. And ironically, I think I had to let go of certain things in order to have enough room in the movie to tell the movie exactly the way that I originally wanted. Mm-hmm. And I've realized I couldn't have gone into production and shot the movie exactly the way I wrote it. It never would have worked. The vibes wouldn't have worked. Like mm-hmm. that's part of the reason I got really excited about letting people play around and having more fun and improv and because it's it's a tricky movie tonally and I realized within even the first day or two I was like, you know, as much as I would love to rehearse this thing like a play and kind of come in and and be able to choose every single moment and rehearse it beforehand. Mm-hmm we don't have time to rehearse. Like in some cases we had like 15 minutes to rehearse these scenes. So I don't get to do that. So I had to give everybody a little bit of freedom to kind of find certain things and then give them feedback as we went. But again, that type of stuff, it opens up new pathways. And anyway, so that's a scene where I do have other stuff. The The thing that I've got to figure out is when you can kind of pick the fast way down in an edit mm. or you can pick the the sort of like you can pick the like i just got to get down mm-hmm. but then you can't like bring your cart down behind you you know what i mean like yeah. there's a more there's a better way to get down 
And sometimes you just have to get down and then go back up and then come back down Mm -hmm. a better way once you've like gotten some food. So I feel like there's a few scenes like that where I'm like, okay, performance wise, this whole path is serviceable or, or really good. And the angle is less than less than desirable, but it's going to take a long time to sort of go through the 12 different takes of the whole thing and figure out which combination of performances and angles cut together to make the scene feel exactly the way it needs to feel. So in a way that's like a temp edit. Does that make sense? Totally. Do you think part of what happened with the first draft that was showed to people, which really dude, I think that was garb. Yeah. Just kidding. Well, it wasn't garbage, but you know, it was not, it, it was not a complete like cohesive thing, you know, We've no, talked about no, no, this no. before, but there were a lot of areas where you had to use your imagination. Do you think uh, what that was looking back was that you were excited to showcase what you had? Can you rephrase that? I feel like, uh, well, let me ask you this. Are you asking, did I show it prematurely? Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, you know, I, there's a really great proverb. I should find that. Just give me two seconds. I got you. A shrewd man keeps his knowledge to himself, but a foolish heart proclaims its folly. Yes, exactly. I love that because I tend to be the foolish heart who's like, I'm so pumped. And I'm like, I show things early, you know, because I want I want affirmation. Mm-hmm. So I do think that there was an aspect of that where I was like, I know this isn't ready. And then also I think I needed people that I trust to confirm for me mm-hmm. that yes, in fact, you do have to be harder on yourself than you originally expected to. Mm -hmm. You have to go through this trial by fire to come out with the tight version. And it was a painful enough process to let go of some of those things. Um, In individual scenes, it was a painful enough process, as as I discussed, that I think I did need, I don't want to call it like a public humiliation. It wasn't really that, but I needed needed to learn that lesson. You know, I needed to really feel that, and in a way, this one put different mistakes in that sim- same sense of relief. In fact, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was just one part towards the end of the movie. One of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, and Olive is like scratch. I I I can hear Olive, my my dog, yeah. producer of the show, mm. in the in the kitchen during this very quiet, fun scene, just making such a clickety clack racket and she does this thing and i knew this was what she was doing because i could hear it she is not terribly intelligent well actually she's very smart because she knows exactly how to get my attention to get exactly what she wants Mm. when she's thirsty because her bowl is empty she scratches not the bowl but the the pad that the bowl sits on she just Mm -hmm. moves it around the room making as much noise as possible and I could hear her doing this in the other room because the screening area that we were watching was like five feet from the kitchen. Sure. And I was like, oh, geez, this is like my favorite part of the movie. Are you fucking kidding me? One that I have had a hard time cutting down because I've been very attached to it. But I knew there was another sort of more, more important moment coming up soon. So I jumped up, gave her some water. By the time I came back, I was like, hmm, I wish the scene started here. Because I'm effectively starting the scene here. I just had this 
this dramatic sort of halt in the process of watching this by leaving the room at an awkward moment. And I came back and I was like, oh, I kind of don't miss anything that I just missed. I kind of wish I could just jump in. And then the feedback, again, was like, oh, I freaking love that scene, but I don't need the minute and a half kind of leading into Mm -hmm. it. It was like, you know, so in a way, Olive... um, Olive is now uh, partially responsible for for cutting a solid two minutes out of the movie. So way to go, Olive! To give her a producer credit. Exactly. I mean, she's already producing the show, so True. might as well just bring her into the movie. So you got pretty good feedback. I mean, people enjoyed it. Well, so I made a little questionnaire, which I'm going to be sending out throughout the process of doing test screenings mm-hmm. this summer. Because um, you know, here's the thing with, with that I don't know if everyone understands about test screenings the idea is to show people things that are intentionally incomplete because i want to get them to help me think about how it could be better and so for example it's not because i think it's done you know Mm -hmm. there are things that i don't like and maybe i even know how i want to fix it but it is so much more efficient to let people in on the process in the middle right um and so test screenings you know when i say feedback like i have a questionnaire it feels very um clinical in a way Mm -hmm. but part of that is because i'm not going you know it's it's like i'll give you some examples um without imagining what the movie could be what was your experience of the movie as it currently is and you have choices instant classic excellent good decent not good and terrible (laughs) and and then there was a question of like within reason how much how good do you think the movie could be please rate your experience of the movie from please god make it stop to i gladly watched again Mm. and like (laughs) who's your favorite character what's your least favorite character and i think you know these are but then it gets even longer where it's like did you feel like there were any plot holes or did you find anything confusing that was not cleared up by the movie? Please be specific. Mm-hmm. What are your feelings about the way the movie ended? What are your feelings about the way the movie began? How is your feeling about the pace of the beginning? All these things, like if you had a pair of magic scissors, meaning they're magic in the sense that there's no ripple effect, like you can just get rid of anything you want, mm-hmm. what would you cut? If you could add anything to the movie, a character, a scene, a set piece, a location, what would it be? George Clooney. <laughs> see that's good to know uh what movies does this remind you of so anyway the the questions my job is is not to actually let people try to fix the movie for me right because i think that is sometimes even what i thought Mm -hmm. test screen it was like no no i have a vision i need it and what you're really doing with the test screening is you're saying how can i communicate more clearly Mm -hmm. to you it's not so much like what do you want to see more of? Because again, people, usually the feedback you get is, I think it could be longer, or I think this, I miss being with this character when I'm not with them. And that's the kind of feedback where what you kind of can't do is say, great, I'll add more of that character. What you have to do is look for the note behind the note and say, is that a good thing that they miss that character? Because that means they care about them. And does you know, you have to do a lot of interpretation. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, having somewhat standardized forms of feedback allows you to create more, sort of do a more helpful analysis of trends. So if everyone says they hate a certain character, 
again, it's not your job to take that just at face value and say, okay, I guess I'll get rid of that character. What you have to do is figure out, do they hate them in the way that people hate anti-heroes or do they hate them in the way that they just don't like them because they're bad? Mm -hmm. And you have to figure out which is which and you have to figure out what to do about it. Um, is it anonymous when you give these out? Yeah, I think um, I think what we're going to do is have them be anonymous to me effectively. Um, but Elizabeth, speaking of which, Elizabeth, uh, we have a new member of the Mama Bear team. Elizabeth Alcorn. She helped us. She was an associate producer on the project. She's been helping us since, um, since the beginning of production. And she's going to be joining Mama Bear. And Say what? I'm really pumped. Yeah, she's working at Mama Bear. So um, Elizabeth will, you know, be... Wait, why did I bring up Elizabeth? She's going to anonymize the feedback? Oh, yeah. She's going to anonymize the feedback so that if we want to clarify something or if someone has a really good idea or a really good note, we can still find them and mm -hmm. figure out who's with who's. Um, but I don't want anyone to feel like they can't speak speak honestly because that's the whole point of this. So you haven't read the feedback from last night? No, I don't know if everyone's completely filled it Got out. Got you. But in the room, but I did record the the conversation we had. Mm -hmm. What was the best and worst uh, feedback? You know, related to the movie. Like uh, this is the best thing about it. Worst thing about it. Uh, okay. So, for example, someone kind of picked up on one of the major themes, which was, I'll just say it because it's not like this is not a secret. <clears throat> it's not like a plot twist. Um. Hold on, my dogs are going nuts. Gotta fill that water dish up. So, best and worst feedback. All right, so best and worst feedback. Yeah, so we're doing Rose and Thorn. I would say the best, most sort of exciting feedback was that someone, and again, this was a note, uh, like a, I don't want to say a complaint, but a critique where they basically said, I'm not sure why Rufus is so attached to this place because it feels like it's just this, shell of what it used to be and it feels like the only thing that's i'm i'm paraphrasing mm -hmm. but it feels like the only thing that's left with rollers is Vinny that he's trying to save is music and they basically said like it feels like i have a hard time in some cases empathizing with his desire to save this because he seems so unhappy and i and and i was like man that's great that's a great note because to me, that's part of what I'm trying to set up. And clearly, I have not fully finished the process of presenting that to the audience in a way that instead of just feeling like it's an incomplete thing, that by the end of the movie, they kind of come around and see what I'm trying to say. But what I'm really trying to say is, yeah, um, Rufus does have a complicated relationship with this place. And it isn't a typical sort of save the farm story mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of there are a lot of complicated emotions about this place and that is kind of what the movie's about and the fact that you were able to articulate that entire journey that he takes is super encouraging because um that's that means that the story's working and yet i still have to like i think push because when i said exactly i went into a little more detail and i said look this is not me defending myself but i do want to see if you guys feel like this idea this narrative that i'm sort of saying on this thematic level is all there and if so if you have any ideas about how to make it come out more mm. and so i sort of pitched a more detailed version of that and everyone was like oh i get it 
but I don't know that I put all those pieces together until you just explained it. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little bit of like, like I have like that 10% sort of gap left to close. Otherwise I think not everyone's ever going to get all of it. That's fine. But I do think it's kind of like, this isn't poetry, you know, like I do need people to get it pretty much the first time. And if it rewards further viewings and it has depth, that's great. But I kind of can't afford to force people to, I I can't assume that they're going to sit with this thing and watch it three Mm -hmm. times. Like that's just not realistic. I, I do, I do have to make it accessible and I have to challenge the audience, make them be participatory in the process of figuring out what the movie's about and understanding the characters. But I also have to make sure that I'm not asking them to do all the work, you know, of course. Yeah. I mean, nowadays too, like these are your friends watching it right now and people that are Mm -hmm. invested in you in various ways, but eventually people that don't give a shit will be watching this. Yep. Totally. And if, if it doesn't grab them, I don't, most people aren't given to try again on entertainment no. you know no i'm not i'm not uh some director who people are kind of like i know it's really dense but trust me it's worth it's worth <laughs> it like it's worth you gotta get get into it you gotta throw yourself mm. into it you know it's not i'm not there you know i don't have that luxury mm-hmm. of being like trust me you know i just gotta make you, you gotta grab them i gotta grab them by the neck um so no speaking of which i don't want to grab anybody i want to okay so john i i i sent you this poem this is my new this is my new um filmmaker goal because this is this is sort of there's even a really funny video i i think it'll be funny right before the first test screening aaron who does all of our bts stuff was there and he was asking me how i felt and i was explaining how i had had to sort of be I had been in this sort of brutal wrestling match with the movie you know and I had to wrestle it into submission and of course that was immediately followed by a devastatingly disappointing screen (laughs) and I clearly had not wrestled the movie into submission I clearly had been beaten Mm. and um and it was just funny because I was sort of over exaggerate I was sort of exaggerating but uh, I don't know. You'll see. It's it, It'll probably go in the BTS doc. Anyway, um, I think then I found this poem a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, soon after the screening, and I felt like it really, I feel like it really shed some light on where I went wrong. I mean, I feel like I could probably spend the rest of my life working on this this type of philosophy when it comes to my profession and, and probably still find things in it. So I, I plan on keeping this poem around. I like it a lot. It's called Cutting Up an Ox um, from the Chinese of Tuang Tzu. Tzu. Tzu, Tzu, Tzu. Uh, this was translated by a guy named Thomas Burton. I don't know what year. Doesn't matter. So it's, this is an old old Chinese poem. Prince Wen Hughes. You know, the, I didn't think about reading this poem. I got to read, like, Chinese names out loud. That's embarrassing. I'm going to do my best. When Prince... When Hughes Cook was cutting up an ox, out went a hand, down went a shoulder. He planted a foot, he pressed with a knee, the ox fell apart. 
With a whisper, the bright cleaver murmured like a gentle wind. Rhythm, timing, like a sacred dance, like the mulberry grove, like ancient harmonies. Good work, the prince exclaimed. Your method is faultless. Method, said the cook, laying aside his cleaver. What I follow is Tao beyond all methods. When I first began to cut up oxen, I would see before me the whole ox, all in one mass. After three years, I no longer saw this mass. But now I see nothing with the eye. My whole being apprehends. My senses are idle. The spirit, free to work without plan, follows its own instinct, guided by natural line. By the secret opening, the hidden space, my cleaver finds its own way. I cut through no joint, chop no bone. A good cook needs a new chopper once a year. He cuts. A poor cook needs a new one every month. He hacks. I have used this same cleaver for 19 years. It has cut up a thousand oxen. Its edge is as keen as if newly sharpened. There are spaces in the joints. The blade is thin and keen. When this thinness finds that space, there's all the room you need. It goes like a breeze. Hence, I have this cleaver 19 years as if newly sharpened. True, there are sometimes tough joints. I feel them coming. I slow down. I watch closely hold back, barely move the blade, and whump. The part falls away, landing like a clod of earth. Then I withdraw the blade. I stand still and let the joy of the work sink in. I clean the blade and put it away. Prince Wan Hu said, This is it. My cook has shown me how I ought to live my own life. Cutting up an ox. Mm, yeah. Isn't that great though? I feel like that's that's what I want to do. I want to get there with filmmaking one day where I'm just like, I'm not making the movie. I'm kind of just freeing the movie. You know, I'm freeing it. I, I I'm not there. I still have to wrestle. I'm still like hacking away at bones and stuff. But I do think I glimpsed a little bit of that in this edit where I was like, all right, stop fighting the movie. And start kind of asking the movie what the movie needs to be, what it wants to be, and find those little spaces where it just naturally works mm. together, you know, where you just naturally move from this scene to this scene, and where you just naturally sort of feel the beat of the scene progressing, as opposed to being like, I have to force this joke to work. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. Does that make sense? No, it's a great poem. I, you sent it to me, and I thought a lot about it. Man, Thomas Merton, for all you... Uh, folks out there thomas merton was a monk and john brought to my attention i did not quite know this i knew he died very mysteriously that the that some of his fellow monks think that the cia mm. murdered him yeah. assassinated him because he died in a very strange way while he was in thailand he was like electrocuted yeah. or something anyway um really interesting dude who who just wrote a lot about you know philosophy and apparently he he um he staged a mini revival in the land with one of his books. And all of these guys after World War II, all these veterans and just random dudes in America took pilgrimages around the world to various monasteries and religious sites because of a book that he wrote, his memoir. Yeah, it sounds like a fascinating guy. Uh, one of the thing to talk about, I would think, is um, the short that we worked on or at Ooh, least you guys worked on yeah. i came out there while you you on uh, fortune teller just dave mm -hmm. farino you know we watched the short 
as a sort of a, a preamble oh, to really? the movie last night. It was very fun. Yeah. What did they think time. about the short? Do they like it? Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah, people freaking love it. It's everybody wanted to watch it again. I was like, nope. But um it's it's like four minutes long. It's so it's it's legitimately pretty scary, yeah. I think. And it's gross. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean that's a whole thing. I mean, basically Bryce and I and and this guy Dave Farino, he came on the show, mm-hmm. we talked to him, we we spoke with and to him. He uh he made a short, Bryce and I produced it, and it's good. And the goal is that we're gonna take it out to studios and other people who make movies and be like, Hey, we got this freaking sick proof of concepts you know dave can direct the crap out of this movie Mm -hmm. we've got a great concept we've got a treatment for how the movie will work trying to do some biz dog and they're gonna be like yeah let me give you like a hundred million dollars like (laughs) no we don't want that much because then you'll tell us what to do give us less and they'll be like okay whatever you want that's that's kind of what we want to do yeah i mean it is good and it's um it's exciting. I read the treatment last night that you sent me. Um, it's it's fascinating because there it seems like there's this entire industry in the horror genre where you make a short, scary little, basically short film that would potentially be one sequence in a bigger movie. Mm-hmm. Am I right about right. that? Yep. In a way. It may or may not actually end up in there. But yeah, the idea is that you want to you wanna make it so that people have to use their imaginations as little as possible mm-hmm. because development execs have to say no to almost everything. Right. You know, they, they just can't. And so our job is to make it easy to say yes. Mm-hmm. And you do that by saying, I've already got characters here. They are in this little short. I've already got Precisely. the concept. Here it is. It's tight. I've got yep. the screen. And, and, and got for everything. Dave as a director, you can see that he can pull it off. Mm hmm. Yeah, it was a it was a cool process. So eventually you guys will go to studios, you'll sell it and they'll turn it into at that point would they have to keep Dave as a director and writer? Not necessarily. Yeah, but he'll get paid either way, right? Mhm. Yeah, so we got to decide. I mean, that's part of what we'll eventually have to decide is like if it depends on who wants to make it and under what conditions mm-hmm. and and that's part of what Bryce and I have to do is find those opportunities. And in terms of rollers, you have this yep. cut. Sounds like you still have more cutting to do based on what you're saying. But I do. Not a crazy amount. Well, you know what's weird is is it's it's like a house. Like you get the frame up and then you get the drywall up and you're like, we're done. And then somehow you end up spending almost as much time finishing it as you did doing all the big stuff. Mm-hmm. Because the details take a long time and the details... There are many of them, and what you find, again, if you're paying good attention, is what... I mean, don't get me wrong. We're getting closer, but there is definitely a period of, like, nitpicking, and that takes time because sometimes you just got to sit with it. You got to, you know, you got to live in it. You got to send it out to people and wait for them to watch it, and um, and, and that takes time. But, yeah, we're getting getting very close. Mm -hmm. The next stage will be what we call picture locking, which is, like, the movie is not done, but we're kind of committing to not moving cuts around too much Mm -hmm. because we need to get the thing scored. That was another huge compliment is, is somebody basically said like, I know there's no score. It's just a soundtrack at this point, but I felt like even without the score and, and you know, 
I've seen scores turn some dog shit t- turds into very palatable mm-hmm. projects because I, I mean, you know, you work in advertising long enough, you polish quite a few turds <laughs> and score can do a lot. And so yeah. my goal is like, let's make this movie work without score so that Dan, our composer can go in and just be like, but gang, mm-hmm. I'm just going to make this, you know, I'm going to put icing on a cake that is so delicious. It doesn't even need icing, but now it's going to have the perfect amount of icing and it's going to blow your freaking mind. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I want to do. So we got to, but we got to picture lock it because scoring Dan, you know, works with every beat of dialogue and he, he doesn't just slap music in there. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's very, so he's got to wait until I'm like, no, the movie is basically this. And give us, which is scary. Cause I got a freaking, commit to something right. which i don't want to do and you still have to would you do adr di- dialogue replacement before you send it to that's a good question per mm, it'll all be kind of part of the post process mm-hmm. um but no we'll, we'll probably picture lock it and start doing doing sound before then how long do you anticipate until that happens till you send it out for mm. scoring man what's the date today's the 7th may 7th Wowza meowza. So I'm doing another test screening a week from yesterday. And I would say I would like to have a picture locked version, not necessarily like I'm never changing anything, Mm. Um, but a pretty darn close one in let's call it two weeks, maybe a week and a half. Can you you think you can do it? I mean, obviously you do. I don't know. I really don't know. We'll see, but you know, it's, it's, We'll get where we get. Are you going to hire a polish editor? Oh, yeah. That's what I was going to say. So the next step is I, I think I am talking to a couple people. I feel like once I get the the beats down and really like cut all the scenes and pick performances I like, yeah, I want to get somebody with fresh eyes to come in in here and be like, yo, you never thought of this, but let me try this with you real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you like it. And I'm going to be like, yeah, that's so dope, dude. I could have never done that myself. I really want to do, you know, get that kind of situation right. going if possible. Mm-hmm. Um, L- California like, from the 80s. Yeah, dude. They're the best polish editors. <laughs> Gnarly. Um, Gnar. Shredding some gnar. How do you find um, that polish editor? Craigslist? Yeah. Yeah. Making movie. Need help. Unpaid. And then you get. 8,000. You get all sorts of people. No, I, uh, I'm talking to a couple people. Um, I will be sure to let everyone know who it is once I pick them. Mm-hmm. You know, part of it is I don't really have money, so mm-hmm. I got to find somebody who like, loves it, mm-hmm. feels invested in it. And that, but no, I, I mean, it's, it's somebody who is a true professional editor as opposed to kind of a hacky professional editor. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm a good enough editor to service my directing desires i'm not truly a good editor in the sense that i haven't put in as many hours especially in the last years as as people who are truly talented um so yeah that'll be good um i feel like i had one other thing that i wanted to bring up but i want feedback from people uh no one's writing in to tell us who they are what they're still listening thankfully you sure i have not gotten any emails um yeah they're still listening uh you know let me me, let's let's do a quick oh no i gotta go this has been a plane it's always a pleasure talk to you soon yep all right they say if you watch something long enough you'll become it you know 
They say imitation is the best form of flattery. That's what I was told. A lot of niggas is imitating this real gangster shit. You ain't cut from it. You did?